special. But <clears throat> it's Pentecost Sunday. Every day is special. But <clears throat> it's Pentecost Sunday. And special. But <clears throat> it's Pentecost Sunday. And and what happened on Pentecost Sunday? Yeah, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was poured out. God so wanted believers to be empowered. To know that he was right there with them everywhere through everything and, and would assist them. Would guide them, would guard them, would govern them. Would give wisdom and understanding, discernment, gifts and fruit. And, and what did we learn already that Holy Spirit will do? Oh, really? What was the scripture that Jeremy had? He'll, he'll give you the words to speak at the right time. You know, some of us depend on that all the time. I'm telling you truly, honestly, I depend on God for that. Without that, I wouldn't do what I do. I, I wouldn't be able to. And, and often, often we, we are in situations where we need to give an answer, we need to say something, but we're not sure what to say. Those are the very moments where you just pause. You know, when you don't pop off with something right away, people are wondering, what's he thinking about? And all of a sudden, God will give you the wisdom. He'll give you insight. He'll give you understanding that far surpasses what you personally are capable of and it's because he loves you but he also loves the person you're talking to that you can impart grace to them the bible says our words should impart grace to people and i'm telling you right now we live in a world that very little grace is being imparted by most of the words and so we're supposed to be grace imparters we're supposed to be ones that share the life of jesus with others and the Bible tells us that death, or, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And Holy Spirit can help us in that. And sometimes he can help us not say what we want to say. Oh, no, he's not going to come and put his hand over your mouth. He's not going to squeeze you so the air goes out of your lungs. But there's going to be this little unction inside that says, don't do it. Oh, see, you all know that. You've heard that before. Don't do it. And then it just comes out and we're like, I shouldn't have done that. And God says, yes. But Holy Spirit, man, we, we would not be where we are without him. And so we, we celebrate, not just today, but every day, because every day he's with us. Every day we can live and, and walk being led by the Spirit of God. The Bible says those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God, the sons and daughters of God, builders of the family name. And that's, that's what we need to be doing. It's, it's, there's fruit. There are gifts that Holy Spirit gives. And, and we've been learning. We've been learning about fruit and learning about growing. He helps us grow in, in amazing ways. And today we're going to continue on learning about growth and growing and fruitfulness and, and also what, what robs us of fruit? What stops fruit growing in our lives? Because if we're unaware, things may be working in our life that we, we can't afford to allow 
to work and continue. Um, but this, this fruit that we should be growing all the time, we've been learning about in John chapter 15, verse 8 and verse 16. This was kind of the foundational scripture for this. And uh, it says, when you produce much fruit, these are the words of Jesus. And, and as Christians, as Christ followers, how important should Jesus' words be? Yeah, absolutely, the most important. But in reality, we have a lot of words, a lot of things that we hear that become very important, and they start to push things out of the way. And we should always fight to remember what the words of Jesus are, because as Christ followers, we can't follow Christ unless we know what he said. And so he said, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. So producing fruit is important to God, and if it's important to God, it should be important to us. But we've got a list of things that are important, right? You all have your lists, correct, of things that are important things. You know, it could be a to-do list. It could be your spreadsheet. It could be a lot of things. You may have a lot of different lists, but the list above all lists is the list that God has. Because you and I were created for his, his pleasure. He created you specifically for a purpose. And, and in that purpose, he wants you to fulfill that because then you'll be fulfilled. But this here says, Jesus says, you know, when you produce much fruit, number one, you prove that you're my disciples. There are a lot of people that claim to be Christians, but you'd never know it by their lifestyle. And we should never have to say anything People should see in the character of our life, in, in the different things that we do and what we don't do, that we are Christ followers. And then it says, it brings great, great glory to my Father. And I would believe that any, every one of us wants to bring glory to our Heavenly Father. We want to bless our Heavenly Father because He's blessed us so much. So just those two things are very important for fruit bearing, why we should bear fruit. But then Jesus goes on to say, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And I appointed or ordained you. Again, last week I told you this, I'm going to tell you again because it takes time to sink in. You're ordained. You know, you may look at certain people and say, well, you know, they're ordained by God. I want you to know, every one of his kids are ordained by him. Set apart for a sacred, special purpose. And the world wants us to believe that we're not special, that we're not important. You're important to the creator of the universe. You're special. You have a purpose and you've been designed and there is a plan for you to fulfill that is not just ordinary. It's divine. And too many times we waste our lives doing a lot of different things, trying to impress a lot of different people, trying to get some sense of fulfillment and never get it because we're off track of what we were created for. Jesus said, I chose you. I appointed you. I ordained you. This is why he chose you. This is why he appointed and ordained you, that you would go and produce lasting fruit. If this is what Jesus chose us for, it ought to be really up there on our list of this is what I'm doing today. I've got lists. I've got lists of lists. And none of those lists matter like God's does. And when Jesus said, this is why I chose you, 
then we should recognize that that ought to be a priority in our life. Amen? And yet we know that, that fruit bearing is a priority to God. It's a priority for us to bear fruit and to recognize fruit in other people's lives. The Bible says you'll know them by their fruits. Jesus said they'll know you're my disciples by your what? Love for one another. The fruit of the Spirit starts out with love. Galatians chapter 5. And so when we bear this fruit, people associate us with God or not. And things that rob those, those characteristics, that fruit from our lives, hinder people from recognizing, hinder us bringing glory to the Father, hinder us fulfilling what Jesus chose us for. And we saw last week in Luke chapter 13 that there was a fig tree that was planted in a vineyard and the owner had come to the fig tree for three years and every year it didn't have fruit. And so he was frustrated, he was angry, and he said, chop it down, get it out of here. It's taken up nutrients and it's taken up sunlight that could go to the vines. And the vine dresser, the one that took care of the vineyard, said, wait, 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 just give me a year. Give me a year and, and I'm going to get this tree to bear fruit. And what, does anybody remember what he did? Yeah, most of you, yeah, it was manure. I remember the manure thing. <laughs> yeah, I've heard a lot about manure this week from a lot of people. And I may have gone a little too far on the manure last week, but we're back on it again. Uh, but one of, the, one of the translations says he dug around the, the tree. He had to loosen up the dirt because the dirt was so compacted that the roots couldn't grow as deep as they needed to, to grow to get to water and get to nutrients. And then he put dung around it. So he dug it and he dunged it. It was a 2D job. And, and that dung was there to bring nutrients, to enrich the soil for that tree to begin to grow, develop, and mature. And bear fruit. And that we talked a little bit about this last week, how in our lives there's, there's manure that comes into our lives, dung, and yet we don't need to just push away from it. We need to allow all the things that can bring nutrition and nutrients to us, develop us. And that's what David said in Psalm 4, verse 1. He said, in my distress, God, you enlarged me. When, when things were troubling and difficult, when there were trials and tribulations, you grew me. You grew me when I went through that. Understand, you're going to go through stuff. The Bible tells us we'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but we don't have to fear because God's with us. You're going to go through things. Don't look to avoid. Go through them with God and let God grow you. And as God grows you and grows me, that fruit develops. And when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, it's, it's not just love, it's joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. All those characteristics that we want to be around, but God wants us to be the ones that bear that fruit for His glory and for the benefit of others around us. But there are things that, that rob that fruit. We live in a broken world. We live in a battle zone where not only is God at work, but the enemy's at work. As real as God is, the enemy is real. God is ultimately and completely victorious. The enemy's defeated. 
But the only way he gets a place is through deception. He deceives us. The Bible says he goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Doesn't mean he can. If we let him do it, he can do it. It's whatever we choose. But one of the things about that lion, the Bible tells us in the Psalms, his teeth are broken out. Do you have to fear a lion without teeth? No. But what, what gets us is the roar. He's a roaring lion. But listen, when he roars with his teeth out, he roars like this. Oh, what are you laughing about? Yeah, but you know what? That's what you should do when the enemy starts to speak to you about things. He's a liar. Just laugh at him. Because there's a truth that God has for you to overcome no matter what the lies the enemy is spreading. And you've got to choose to believe the truth. But if we don't, these things steal. They steal our ability to grow and develop, to mature, to produce fruit. And in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, it tells us that we should not get involved in the what? Fruitless works of darkness. So the works of darkness are fruitless. It causes fruitlessness. The works of darkness. Where, where are the works of darkness working? In this world. In this world all over. And we're going to see what these things are and how they, they rob, they steal. Oh, yeah, who, who in John 10.10, 10, who's the one that steals, kills, and destroys? The thief, the enemy of your soul, the devil, the accuser. He's always out to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's out to steal the fruit that God wants to produce in your life so that it will bring glory to the Father. It will affirm that you are a true follower of Jesus. It will bring people to Christ that they would see Christ in you that's the hope of glory. Just like we heard with Jeremy, he had a moment in time where he was able to put aside the fear, the concern, the uncertainty, because all of us have it. It comes at you, but you and I have to choose to allow God to have place in us instead of that stuff. And he put God as being more important in his life, his son, and this person that was going to wait on him because he said, we're going to do this. I'm not sure how, but I'm, I, I, we're going to do this. I'm going to trust God. And then everyone was blessed. Was the, his server blessed? Absolutely. Was his son blessed? Was he blessed? So there were three people that were blessed. Was God blessed? Oh, that's four. How about you? Do you see how it was multiplied? This is what God can do. When you and I, when we make ourselves available and God uses us, there is no end to the blessing. Because I, I am confident that the blessing is going to go on beyond here. You're going to tell somebody or you're going to be reminded of this and you're going to get in a situation and you're going to do something that God has for you to do because you remember what Jeremy allowed God to do in him. And the blessing goes on and on and on and on without end. 
But the enemy wants to cut that short. He wants to cut it off. Where there's no more, there's no fruit to that blessing. There's no fruit to that action. And it can happen in our lives before we even know it. And with the, the, the fig tree, he had to dig around in the ground. What he did was he worked on the ground. The ground was critical to what was going on. And today we're going to look at another parable that Jesus spoke about ground and, and see how if we aren't careful, if we aren't aware if we aren't looking and inspecting, we could be losing fruit and not even knowing it. So in Mark chapter 4, uh, I'm going to read through verse 1 through 8 because this is what Jesus did. This kind of sets the stage for it. And then we're going to break it down because he did. But it says, once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeside. A very large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got in a boat. He sat sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling them many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a, former, a farmer went out to plant some seed. He scattered it across fields. Some of the, the seed fell on a footpath and the birds came along and ate it. Other seeds fell along on shallow soil. With underlying rock, the seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon withered under the hot sun, and since it didn't have a deep root, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on the fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as has, had been planted. So Jesus teaches this, and the disciples are like, Jesus, that was really good. What's it mean? You know, it's not good enough just to hear. We've got to understand. If all we do is hear, we've got more information to add to all the other information that we are on overload already, and there's no application. Until there's application to the information, there's no transformation. I'm not going to say that again. But it's got to be something that just doesn't come to us. It gets in us and it works through us. That is how fruit comes. And so he explains it to the disciples. He pulls them aside and starting in verse 13, he begins to explain this parable to them. And he said to them, do you not discern and understand this parable? How then is it possible for you to discern and understand the parables, all the parables. And then he says, the sower sows the word. So this story, this word picture is about somebody sowing the word. The word of God, Jeremy sowed the word in, in this lady's life. Debbie and I, you know, again, it can happen anywhere. We were at Salvation Army dropping off some stuff yesterday. We had the opportunity because we asked to be able to pray for a guy who has a son. He's struggling, and he, he's looking for another job. He's working three, but he wants to work one, so he has more time with his son. And so we found out about what was going on with him. We said, you know, we're going to pray for you. And he was good with that. But, you know, he didn't pray the sinner's prayer, but he knows that he's cared about, that God cares about him. 
Are there opportunities like that in your life? One, two, all sorts of opportunities all around us. And it doesn't have to deal with just people that don't know Jesus. People all around us, saved and unsaved, need encouragement. They need to know that God cares about them, need to know that they're special, need to know that they're loved, need to know somebody's willing to stand with them, and God will always stand with them. That's why we're still here. We're here to be witnesses. We're here to impact other people's lives and impart to other people's lives the same impact that God's had on us and the same impartation God's given to us. Freely we receive, freely we give. And so week after week, many of us come in and we receive the word, but where's the word going? What's the word doing in us? Because if it's not really being applied, if it's not being spread, then fruit is being robbed. And he says in verse 15, the ones along the path are the ones who have the word sown in their hearts. And I want you to notice in each one of these situations, every one of them had the word sown in their hearts. But when they hear, Satan comes at once. <laughs> And by force takes away the message which was sown in them. So the word goes out, just like it's going out today. But the enemy comes immediately and by force pulls it away. Now, when, when it says by force, as you study this out, it, it means to, to lift up or snatch away. And <clears throat> when we look at this, this pathway... It was a, a hard, hardened area that had a lot of traffic. It had been packed down. And so the word just, the seed just sat on the top. And, and when he first said, he said, the birds come along. And it's just easy to remove. Doesn't take much effort, but he snatches it before anything can happen to it. Now, how does he snatch that? How can he snatch the word today in any of our lives? Well, you hit those doors, and then you hit the other doors, and you find out somebody in the parking lot broke your mirror. Oh, that's just a story. No, it's happened. Somebody backed into somebody's car. Yes, it's happened. And all of a sudden, we never remember what went on, what God gave us, and we're upset. Not good fruit. We're angry, and we're looking for somebody, right? Stolen immediately. I, I very rarely ask, do you remember when I taught this? Because a lot of times it's hard for us to remember with the massive volume of information that comes to us during a week. But of all the things we remember, it's not something that I teach, but it's the Word of God. We need to remember the Word. Everything that was created, seen and unseen, was created by the word of God when he spoke. This word, it's so available to us, it doesn't seem as important as it is, but you go to another country where it's not available, people will do amazing things to be able to hear the word, to be able to read the word, because they see the amazing value of the word. And I am as guilty as anybody that the word is so available. 
But the enemy, the enemy wants to rob you of the word because if the word doesn't get in, there's not going to be any fruit. No, 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 no fruit grown. Then in verse 16 and 17, oh, first let me just say this. This, this type of Christian, a pathway Christian, they're casual Christians. Everything's just kind of superficial. It just sits on the surface. There's no real depth to them. They don't let anything get in. It's kind of, you know, take it or leave it. They may go to church. They may read their Bible, but it doesn't really impact and impart anything to their life. And there are times in my life this has happened where I was reading and, and I was going to church and I was doing what I was doing, but it didn't really impact and it didn't really impart anything to me. So at one time, I could have said I was a casual Christian. Then in verse 16 through 17, it says this. And in the same way, the ones sown upon the stony ground are those who, when they heard the word, at once received and accepted and welcomed it with joy. Well, this sounds like a totally different situation. And they had no root in themselves, and so they endured for a little while. And when trouble or persecution arose or arises on account of what? The word. On account of the word. It arose for the word's sake. When the word goes forth, the enemy wants to try and get that word away from you because that word can be transformational. That word can be liberating. The word of God is truth. It sets captives free. It can be healing. The word of God is life and health to all who find it. It, it can be illuminating and, and revelation. The word of God is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. The entrance of the word brings light. And God knows we need all these things. And the enemy knows we can't get it if we don't have the word. And so he begins to work to get the word out. But something's happened. It starts to grow. But persecution and trouble arise. And immediately they're offended. They become displeased, indignant, resentful, and they stumble and fall away. Look at how they received the word. They received it with acceptance. They welcomed it full of joy. They were excited about it. But I have to tell you, every time somebody's excited about the word, it doesn't mean that their lives are going to change. Because sometimes it's just about, wow, that was really great. I was really excited about it. But how did it apply to your life? What changed in our lives? And because the change started, maybe, but then what happened? Persecution and trouble. Jesus gave us a promise. In this world, you're going to have tribulation, trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. It's not if, it's when. When it comes, it's coming. And that's where we've got to realize, don't pray that I'm not going to have any challenges. You're going to have challenges the rest of your days in this portion of life because you're supposed to overcome them. You're supposed to allow God to guide you and govern you to, so that we become overcomers in all things. And people see our lives and say, how do you do that? Well, I, I don't. I trust God. God. God is my source. God is the one that I know who's faithful. And he's got a plan for my life. And people start to listen. But persecution and trouble arise for the word's sake. 
So they're real happy, they're real joyful, they welcome it in, and it starts to get a root, but now trouble shows up, which it usually does, and it's to get the word, and all of a sudden they become displeased, indignant, and resentful. Now how could that possibly happen? Have you ever become displeased, indignant, resentful, because of the word that you were so excited about hearing, but it didn't come to pass the way you wanted it to, and when you wanted it to, and how you wanted it to. And so you got upset with God, and it says they stumbled and they fell away. You know what these, these Christians are, or this type of faith is? It's convenient Christianity. When it's convenient. When it's comfortable. You know, so many times we have made comfort the ultimate goal. God, I want to be comfortable. Do you know you don't grow when you're comfortable? Growth is a, a work of expansion, of change. And we're supposed to be changing. How many of you want to go from glory to glory? That's just change. You're not what you were, and you're not yet what God has for you to be. It's a constant change. But it's worth it because we know that God said, this is what I have for you. I want you to go from glory to glory. But Christ in us is that hope of glory. That means that if we're going to experience more glory in our lives, we need to let God have more place in our lives. That means we have to give over those things that we've held on to, that we've run on our own, our own ways, and let God have his way. But we know that. We know, we know that's what we're supposed to do. But this, this, this stony ground, there was a veneer. If you looked at that ground, you'd see this good ground, and you'd say, man, that's great, great ground. That's going to be great ground to grow. But what happened was the stone that was at the surface in the first, it had been broken up. That hard pack had been broken up, and now there was a layer of good, but it wasn't completely broken up. There was still hardness. And how many of you know hardness comes to our lives? When, when somebody does something that hurts you, they betray you, they gossip about you, they, they persecute you, they use you, and and it hurts, and, and what we want to do is we don't want them to get to us again. Debbie and I, you know, we've talked about this at various points. There was a time in my life and hers where we said, you know, we'll do what you have for us to do, God, but we're not getting close to anybody. It just hurts too much. And, and I, as I was just with God, I was aware that God let me know, and I let him know, I'm closing the doors. You know, people can get this far, but they're not getting in. And you may be shocked by that, but I'm being absolutely real with you. Because you know, you know when you don't want people getting in because you've been hurt. And so I said, all right, I'll, I'll do this, God, but I'm not getting close to anybody. And the Lord let me know, if you close those doors to protect yourself, I won't be able to minister through you. Because if they're closed for this direction, they're also closed for this direction. And I said, God, that's not fair. Have you ever told God things aren't fair? <laughs> that's not fair. 
And he said, but I've got a promise for it. I don't want a promise. I want protection. And he said, you can't protect yourself. Look at my son. If my son protected himself, he never would have gone to the cross. And you'd still be dead in your trespasses and sins. He was willing, willing to endure the shame, the suffering, and the pain of the cross for us. If our Lord and Savior had to do it, aren't we supposed to be followers of his? Now, I'm not saying you go out and look to get hurt. But I'm saying hurt is going to come. And if you close those doors and you get hard, it's going to stop the fruit. And so I said, all right, God, I, I, I don't want to help me. I don't want to. Help me open up the doors of my life. And he said, I do have a promise. I'm the healer of the brokenhearted. I said, I don't want to have to come to you every time my heart gets broken. He said, that's what I want you to do. I want you to come to me. And as I heal you, as time goes on, you're not going to experience the same hurt the same way. You're going to experience the same things, but I am going to be your healer. And I'm going to heal you so that it won't be like it was the first time. And you know what? He was right. Imagine that. These things come. And we get a little bit of growth going, but trouble comes. And then we get upset with God. And we get upset with other people. And we get upset and all of a sudden it just chops the fruit down in our lives. The peace, the joy, the patience, the kindness. Man, it's just getting whacked off. And then we go to the next, the next one, which is in verse 18 and 19, and it says, and the ones sown among the thorns are others who hear the word. Then the cares and anxieties of the world, the distractions of the age, and the glamour and deceitfulness of riches, I'm sorry, and the pleasure and delight and the false glamour and deceitfulness of riches, and the craving and passionate desire for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word, and it becomes fruitless. This third one, you know, we had the first one, which is about being casual in our Christianity. It's just like, I can take it or leave it. No, no real, real commitment. Then the second one was about convenience. When it's comfortable, when it's convenient, when it's beneficial to me, yeah, I'll, I'll keep on. This one is about being crowded, a Christian's life being crowded with so many things. Because it says the word is sown, the word is heard, and then the cares and anxieties of the world, the distractions of the age, the pleasure and delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches, and the craving and passionate desire for other things creep in. So we've got some sources here that are looking to pour into our lives, to impact our lives. And, and we see the first one is the cares and anxieties of what? The world. The world we live in is just absolutely saturated with cares and anxieties. Just listen. Watch the news. 
Because when you watch the news, usually you're hearing all the bad news. And it used to be that in times past, we would get the news about, okay, the United States, maybe an occasional story of what was happening in another country if it was big enough. But now you get news and information 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year from all over the entire earth. And you and I are on information overload. And what happens when we get when we get discouraged or we get scared, the anxieties, the, the um, cares start to load up, what do we do? Exactly. Say it again. Shut down. We're like, oh my gosh, we get scared, we get overwhelmed, we get undone, and then we go, whoa. Not going to do anything. And do you know that's the end result of what the enemy wants? He wants you to quit. Because he can't beat you as a child of God any other way than you would quit. Because if you just keep on keeping on with God, he's going to bring you into the fullness of what he said, which is abundant life. That you'd be overwhelmingly more than a conqueror. So the world's trying to throw all these cares and anxieties and doing an excellent job. And then it says the distractions of the age. Man, there's no limit to the distractions. The things that we have available to us, and I am not against technology, but I am also very aware from the very beginning, I was, I was very impressed in my spirit that I had to be very careful about a variety of things that were going to be presented on the Internet. And there is so much to be distracted with. You could, you could spend your whole day in Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, all those different platforms. And, and I'm not asking you to make a response outwardly. I just want you to check yourself. How much time do you actually spend on that stuff? Because I can tell you I got sucked in to one of the platforms and, and was just interested in seeing all these crazy things that people were doing. And I looked up and I had been on my phone for an hour and a half. I don't have an hour and a half to waste. And that's what it was. It was a waste. Was my life any better? Nope. Oh, but I could come up with some really neat things to tell people in conversation about crazy other people. I need to get a life. <laughs> Distractions of the age. Then it says, the pleasure, delight, and false glamour and deceitfulness of what? Riches. Man, riches promise. If you have them, your life is set. You're going to have everything you want. You're not going to have a care in the world. You're going to be as happy as can be. Look at the rich people. I'm not talking about how they present themselves. I'm talking about real life of the rich and famous. I don't see too many of them really happy and, and just overjoyed. And, because that riches have a false glamour. There's a deception that comes. 
because of riches. We think that's going to solve our problem, and I want you to know it won't. The Bible says God adds wealth without sorrow, which would infer that when wealth comes, there's sorrow that comes along with it unless God does it. And I know some of you are like, well, I'd like to find out for myself. <laughs> no, no, you don't. No, you don't. The deceitfulness of riches. And then on top of that, so we've got the world, we've got the deception of the age, we've got the deceitfulness of riches, and then we've got the cravings and passionate desire for other things. It's, it's in one word, it's lust. It's an inordinate desire for more. And I will tell you, our world is running towards the edge with that. Because we are never satisfied. And it, it's just like the technology, planned obsolescence. They plan that your, my technology, our phones, our computers, whatever it is, are going to become outdated in a certain amount of time, and you're going to need another one. So we get programmed into, i got to get a new one. Well, why? Well, because it's new. And, and how well are you using what you have? You know, my smartphone is a lot smarter than me, and I'm not using near enough to warrant another one. But it's got another camera lens on it. Can you imagine... 20, 30 years ago, people saying, I'm buying a phone for a camera. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But what does this stuff do? It creeps in. And so when it says it creeps in, when something creeps in, how does it come? Do you notice it? No, and we've got this crazy idea. We've portrayed Satan as this being in this bright red suit. You'd pick him out anywhere. It wasn't like, where's Waldo? Oh, look, there's the devil. Got a red suit. He's got a pointy tail. He's got horns. And look at that fork he's got. It's big and pointy. You know him miles away. But the Bible tells us he comes as an angel of light. He deceives, he misportrays who he is, where we're going to say, oh, okay, well, all right. This stuff creeps into our lives. And what's it do? What are these cares? What's this deception of riches, false glamour of riches, distraction of the age? What's it do when it creeps in and we don't know it's there because we didn't really take stock of what was going on and we've spent so much massive amount of time just following the world. I said this in the first service and I just was reminded of it. You know, if you're going to watch the news, I don't, I, don't, I don't tell anybody not to watch the news, but I will tell you this. If you watch the news, you ought to at least read for the same amount of time your Bible. And if you really want to counteract it, three times as much as what you listen to. Because you got to counteract that poison that's getting into you, the cares of the world, the anxieties that's there creeping in. It's just, I just watched a half an hour of nightly news. And how much better is your life? It's creeping in and it's choking and suffocating the word. When something is choking, is it dead yet? When it's suffocated, it's pretty well gone. So this 
process goes on. Day after day, this stuff comes in, creeps in, because we're not really aware or paying attention how the enemy works. And it begins to choke the word out. This ground, this ground is overplanted. Everything was allowed to, to grow in this ground. And we've got to be selected. The Bible says, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. If I'm not guarding my heart, then I'm going to let anybody who wants to say anything and make me think they, I should believe what they believe, it's going to start coming in, and I'm going to have all sorts of things to choose from. They're all going to be growing up, and I'm going to be considering them, ruminating on them. And then the Word of God gets in, and it starts to grow because it says it does. It grows along with the thorns. And one thing about thorns, I learned about thorns this week. <laughs> Mark was cleaning around the outside of the church, and, and we had some thorns, and we needed to put them in bags. And uh, they, you know, thorns, when you try to pull out thorns, they fight back. They inflict as much pain on you as possible so that you'll leave them alone. That's why this says thorns. This stuff doesn't come out easy. It's not like you say, well, I, I'll get rid of that. All of a sudden, you start to go for it, and there's pain. There's discomfort. And yet it's growing up. And this, is, this type of Christian life is a crowded Christian life. And I would say most Christians today, our life is overcrowded by the world. And it's not filled enough with the things of God. And so what's happening is this stuff is growing up and it's choking out the word. Yeah, we're going to church. Yeah, we're reading our Bible. Yeah, we're praying. Yeah, we're, we're, we're watching things on TV. Yeah, we're listening to Christian radio. But the massive amount of the worldly influx and influence and deposit in our life is growing up and choking out the word. Because my question is, how much fruit do we have? How much love? How much joy, how much peace, how much patience, how much kindness, how much goodness, how much gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, how much of that is really evident and in the forefront of our life? Because if it's not, we need to take stock and say, man, I've been indiscriminate in what I've allowed to just fill me, what's captured my attention and distracted me. And thank God it didn't end here. He didn't leave here because this stuff all causes fruitlessness. Chokes the word and it becomes fruitless. But in, in verse 20, he says, listen, this is, this, is, this is what should be happening. And others, like the seed planted on the good ground, they hear the teaching and accept it. They grow and produce a good crop, sometimes 30 times, sometimes 60 times, sometimes 100 times more. Now, if, if, if you knew that the bank that you bank at had a special, all right? They don't have specials, but if they had a special. And the special was this. For every dollar you put into your savings account, they put $30 in. Oh, that got your attention. First thing that got your attention today. <laughs> but yeah, whoa, I'm going down and I'm taking everything I have and I'm putting it in savings. I want that 30 times what I have. Or they said 
I'll give $60 for every dollar you put in or a hundred. Any one of those, we'd be like, yeah. But this is what God does. Just like I showed you with Jeremy, how it blessed Jeremy and it blessed Reese, his son, and it blessed the woman that he allowed God to use him with. And then it blessed his family and it blessed you. And it continued. This is the 30, 60, 100-fold. This is fruit. This is what God has designed. If we would align ourselves with God and allow this to start to work in our lives, where the Word of God just doesn't go in our ears, rattle around for a while, some of it falls down. But if we really begin to let the Word of God dwell richly in us, and our lives are really changed, and we're, we're living epistles, we're the word come to life. And isn't that what Jesus was? The word made flesh that dwelled among us. Aren't we supposed to do the works that Jesus did? We're supposed to be the word being revealed to people all the time so that they would see Christ in us. It's not what we're going to become God, but we're going to become what God has for us to be, to be the witness God has for us to be so that the people around us are impacted and their lives are changed and they go to heaven instead of hell. So how? How does this happen? Psalm 92, verse 12, in the Amplified, it says this. Oh, this last group, verse 20, where it was the good ground, these are covenant Christians, committed covenant Christians. So we have casual Christians, we have convenient Christians, we have crowded Christians, and then we have committed covenant Christians. What do you want to be? Psalm 92, verse 12, it says... The uncompromisingly righteous shall flourish like a palm tree, be long-lived, stately, upright, useful, and fruitful. They shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon, majestic, stable, durable, and incorruptible. Now, just reading that, this is, this is what we want. We want to live long and live well. Be stately, upright, useful, and fruitful. We want to be majestic and stable and durable and incorruptible. And we need to be in the world that we live in. And this says we can be as the uncompromisingly righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But am I compromising? Am I being influenced and affected by the things that I'm hearing by all sorts of experts, prominent people that tell us, you know what, uh, you need to agree with this. You need to support this. You need to celebrate this. And I'm telling you, if you don't know what the Word of God says, it's no different than elementary school. There's peer pressure going on. There are bullies out there that want you to believe like they do because it's what they believe. But I want you to understand, you can't believe anything just because somebody else did. You need to believe truth because truth sets you free. Truth brings healing. Truth brings light. And truth, truth will always prevail. It'll never change. And so uncompromisingly righteous, how do we become long-lived and stately and upright and useful and fruitful and majestic and stable and durable and incorruptible? Well, the next two verses tell us. And this is what it says. They are planted in the house of the Lord, 
They grow strong in the courtyards of our God. We don't get far from God. We can't get far from God and stay strong. Stay uncorrupted. Hey, you're solar people. You rely on the sun. Okay? And even when they are old, they will continue producing fruit. Amen, amen, amen. Like young, healthy trees. I was young. I am now older. And I want to be like a young, healthy tree. I want the last part of my life to be the most fruitful, to be the most productive, to be the most impacting, to be able to impart more than I've ever done before. Because I read in the Bible that as, as we get older, when we've been faithful in what God's given us, he doesn't say, okay, go over there and hang out at the golf course, unless that's where your ministry is. He says, you're given more. I want more opportunities. And all I have to do is look around and make myself available and have opportunity upon opportunity upon opportunity to be able to impact people's lives and help them. Help them have hope. Help them have peace. Help them have joy because I help them have Jesus. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today, we're grateful for you being here, but, you know, coming to church is a good thing. But the best thing is knowing God. The best thing is trusting God. The best thing is relying on God. And if you're here, we thank you for being here. If you've tuned in online, we thank you for tuning in. But if you haven't come to that place of trusting and relying on and in building a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that's where it's got to start. Because you'll leave this building and you'll get offline and, and, and you know, you'll go on with life and we can't all be with you, but God can. And God will, but he only will if you invite him to. If you choose to open up your life and say to God, God, I've sinned, and I come to you knowing that, Jesus, you died on the cross to grant forgiveness for my sin. And today, I receive that forgiveness. And I want you to come into my life and be Lord of my life. If you've never done that, I want you to pray with me today. And I'm going to invite all of us to pray together. So let's pray this. Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me and sending your Son to earth to die on the cross for my sin. Lord, I've sinned. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Guide me. Govern me. Guard me. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer here today, let somebody know before you leave. If you prayed